the better flow states I've had was when I got second at the U.S. Open. I remember like so vividly, like did a trick that I hadn't done before in competition. And it was like I was like a, almost like a passenger and it was like just everything was happening. Thanks for coming on, dude. Dude, thanks for having me. Yeah. Stoked to be here. So you come uh, back home to Ontario a couple times a year? Yeah, I try to do like three times a year, Christmas, come in the spring, summer trip. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. What do you do out in Whistler in the summertime? A uh, lot of golfing. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, kind of addicted to golfing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right yeah. now, it's like my thing. Skateboarding as well. Yeah. Because it's kind of like similar to snowboarding and it's good to get your like creative brain going standing sideways and then we actually have the glacier up there that's still holding on and we can right. we can ride and i coach at momentum oh do you nice. yeah it's a good uh, paycheck i bet yeah it's well, fun like while yeah. you ride totally and i get to snowboard and the kids love it and yeah it's kind of like i had never done that side of snowboarding mm. coaching like because mm -hmm. my whole career has been focused on my progression and my career so it's nice to push it on to like the next generation and does the coaching help you at all, like kind of wrap your head around stuff? Mm, I think it just helps me get my like stoke again because I have this like, you know, 13 year old kid trying to just learn a backflip for the first time and seeing that like spark yeah. in their eyes makes me like feel even more grateful that I get to do it for a living, you know, for sure. Yeah. So let's uh, let's start at the beginning. When did you start snowboarding and, and how? I guess I guess yeah. you kind of started when snowboarding was like on this big upswing, like everyone who was starting to go to the mountain was going to be snowboarding. Yeah, totally. And it's funny you say that. I was just talking to my mom last night. I always thought snowboarding was just cooler, like because mm. I was a skier. Sure. I was a skier as a kid. My whole family skis. And I'd always tell my mom and dad, I'd be like I'd point at the snowboarders at the hill and be like, I want to do that. Right. And I had a friend, um, Adam Hurd, who was like a family friend. I know Adam. Yeah. 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 You remember him? He was on Simple and he snowboarded and I was just like looked up to what he did. Right. And he got me on a board. I think I was six years old. So 26 now, 20 years of snowboarding. Wow. Yeah. And what uh, what hill? Uh, that would have been Georgian Peaks, like okay. the private ski club that. So your family was up there. Yeah, we would go up every weekend, and my brother and sister would ski, and we raced before. Like, I was a little ski racer. Really? Yeah. From how old, though? Like oh, I would have been, six. like, two years old. Really? Skiing. Yeah, like, I was, like, gung-ho for sure. Two? And two, yeah. They had me on, I think, Mount St. Anne. I learned how to ski when I was two. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Holy I've been on the cow. snow for, for my whole life, basically. Right. Yeah. So then how, like, take me to starting to do it more seriously were you, was it just like you were coached right away like your parents thought hey this is a good idea if you're going to start snowboarding yeah I think that scenario was I kind of got lucky because we had someone um, come to the club that was a snowboard coach he's from New Zealand Sam Marcotte yeah. who started Simple Snowboarding now Sender Society but it was just cool that he I think he saw something in me I, I was eight years old when he started coaching me and it kind of just took off from there and I'm really grateful that he was able to be a part of that process because I think he convinced my parents that I had something too. Right. And then they were able to be like, you know, like, okay, let's do this. Let's like see where it can go. And that was just from starting in like Ontario, doing like the AOS contests and just like the regional events. And yeah. then eventually you'd go into like the States and international. But right. Yeah. It's so fun times being a kid and just you're just so 
all you all your mind can do is snowboard you're just like so heavily focused into it yeah there's so much like i remember being so small like and going to different places or whatever like there was so much like adventure in it or like yeah. mystery in it like you could ride around and like find new spots or like through the trees and stuff yeah i feel like we even would go to like you would come to mount tromblant with us right i, I never did you never did but, but i heard about the trip yeah right? and it was like that coming from ontario even upgrading to that hill right was like crazy because like there was tree riding there might be like a little powder and like it yeah. kind of sparked your interest on like not just riding a, a 400 foot hill <laughs> every over you're like well we can right there's bigger mountains out there so you're riding at georgian peaks and then sam starts simple snowboarding exactly yeah and moves it to mount st louis yeah so i would have been yeah it would have been maybe nine or ten when we started going to mount st louis they just had at the time their terrain park was kind of superior in ontario yeah. they had the half pipe they had the mini pipe they had four jumps and so then like then it became mount st louis every weekend yeah yeah and following sam because i think it was cool he had that he had a huge passion at that age too of just like he was so heavily focused on snowboard coaching and like the techniques and stuff that like i still use today and share with other people like he was like it's really cool looking back on it now he just was so heavily in i don't know just engaged in like trying to find new techniques and make snowboarding like yeah make it easier for people to learn at right. a high level right the one thing i remember from just riding laps kind of at louis while yeah. watching you guys do it was like how uh serious he was about style Dude, like he was yeah like everything you learned, I felt like, or my brother learned, or any of those guys, is like you have to do a grab. It has to look good. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I am like, so forever, forever grateful that I had him as my coach at a young age because he'd be like, "You want to try a 720? Make sure you grab. You want to do 900? Make sure you grab and poke and make it look yeah. good." He'd always tell me like, "What would it look like through the lens of the camera and like how would that photo look?" if someone took a screen grab mid trick. Mm. So it made me at such a young age think about the way my snowboarding looked. Yeah. And now that's my whole, like that's what I want to share to the world is like making snowboarding look graceful and effortless. Mm. And yeah, that was like, you, you nailed it on the head. It would be like, okay, you try your first 900, make sure you grab melon and make it look sick. Which is like But sometimes you'd land on your head because you're not able to spin the rotation and grab because that's never something you've done before. Yeah. It's, it's really funny looking back on it now, but I would eat shit all the time. Yeah. Just from like trying to grab the whole way through my rotation. <laughs> I still do it till this day. It's pretty funny. Yeah. It's, I guess there's kind of like two mentalities. Like some guys would go and get the trick just to their feet mm -hmm. and then work on the style and kind of go backwards with yeah. it. Not, we would go the other way where if you're not landing it, but it looks good, still pretty sweet. And then eventually you're going to land it. Cause I remember even like Tyler Nicholson, he, I grew up shredding with him and yeah. he was, came on the team before and he already could do like sevens and stuff like that and stomp them, but maybe not get his grab as good. Mm. And I was just like, Oh my God, like how is he landing this? And then it kind of like, finally it like took me like two years until I could figure out how to, grab and land <laughs> right yeah right did you have any bad injuries or concussions like taking so many slams yeah for sure i think when i was from the age of like 
I think 12 to 16, I broke my collarbone six times. Oh, geez. Like every winter, I'd break my collarbone. And it took you out? Oh, yeah. It took me out. Oh. But then I would try to go ride back because I was like, oh, maybe, you know, three weeks, re-break it. Oh. So I got, yeah, three on each side. My shoulders are all pretty <laughs> banged up. Have you had any surgeries? No, because at that time, it was I was so young and I was still growing, so they didn't want to do the surgery. Yep. Because then my shoulders would be all out of line. But now I got these, like, double collarbones like stacked oh, I know, on top I know of what each those other. look like yeah. I've seen those yeah, <laughs> yeah totally but I think that too it taught me like the capability of your body to be like okay you can you can heal you can come back from stuff and right. then the time on snow would be so much more important because I would have been off for you know most of the winter right and it just taught me to like yeah just want it more I think and then so you're competing like you guys are riding three days a week kind of thing or two days a week whatever yeah friday it is. saturday sunday and then you start doing ontario contests yep and when for you is it like okay there might be something here or i'm pretty decent or what what was how did you yeah. conceptualize it maybe it was i'm trying to think back i think it was i was 14 and i got um fourth at the nationals for half pipe it's canadian nationals canadian nationals yep. at stoneham and that was against like all ages and at that time i was obviously a lot younger than the field sick half pipe there yeah yeah, yeah stoned him still i think it's like the only second place or this yeah only two places in canada have 22 foot half pipe and stoned still has one which is sick but yeah i remember getting fourth there and then that kind of like made me realize that i could probably do this more on an international level mm. not just like within canada right. right but at that time i was still riding slope style and half pipe and it kind of changed my focus to more half pipe. Right. At that time. Because of the success. Because of the success. And then it's kind of a funny story is that went from there. The next year, they had a thing called the Youth Olympics, which was a event that you could do. It was, I think, 15 to 17. It was okay. like It was supposed to be like this trial for athletes that will probably go to the Olympics. Yeah. I was got there, uh, got my spot in half pipe, got fourth in the half pipe. But then... The team was like, well, we have one extra spot for slope style if you want to do it. So I ended up staying, and then somehow I won the slope style. Really? So then it kind of changed again and changed my focus again because I was like, well, maybe I should be focusing on slope style. Right. So I was kind of in that from like 14 to 16, definitely had a dilemma of like choosing half pipe or slope style, and I ultimately chose slope style. I just enjoyed it more and had more fun yeah. doing it. Less scary. Less scary, yeah. Riding half pipe is insanely gnarly. I respect the men and women so much watching those events because you know how it is with the half pipe. The margin for error is so small because of the deck. Like you pop, you go flat, you go early, you're landing on the deck falling 22 feet. At least in slope style, you know, you knuckle a jump. You're not yeah. going to, you're just going onto the landing. It's going to hurt, but you're not, you're not falling whatever, yeah, 30 to, feet to, to flat. flat. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, yeah, at, at kind of that age, if you were going to go whatever to the – well, let me back up. Yeah. The Olympics was around that – was yeah. already like – was okay, already a thing yeah. at that time, yeah. So was that a driving force for you to ride half pipe? Like maybe I could go to the Olympics in half pipe? Exactly. And I saw the – just exactly getting fourth at the nationals in Canada, and I was like, well, there's four spots – Right. For the Olympics, and then maybe I could make the Olympic team. And that would have been 
I think 16 or no, I would have been 2014 Sochi. So I would have been like 17. So at that time I was trying to ride half pipe and yep. get to the Olympics. But ultimately I think I just was like chasing it for the wrong mm. reasons. And I've been always trying in my career is like follow what makes you stoked and enjoy. And like, I remember having a moment of hiking the half pipe in Colorado and then knowing that like Darcy and Tyler, my like two homies that were, riding slope style jumps like over there like adjacent to the hill and being like i want to be over there yeah they're having and then i kind of like just switch i was like i don't need to do the half pipe anymore and i think snowboarding is a lot more than just chasing that olympic dream for some people that is all they want and i think that's awesome but for me i think it was way more of enjoying the whole scenario of it right did because there's slope style in the olympics now did how did that work out was it for you like yeah. did you ever attempt so, that yeah so the so after yeah after basically doing not doing half pipe anymore focusing more on slope style and actually started to get some good strides like i was won a world cup when i was uh 18 wow in stoneham as well okay so i got some good history there and then that definitely was like okay this is i'm on the right path like for sure yeah and then it did ended up like that was like for those five years were were awesome. I got second at the U.S. Open, and then I actually got to go to the Seoul Olympics, but I was an alternate, okay, fifth, the fifth member okay. of the team. So it was kind of bittersweet, but I got to hang out and yeah. ride the course and chill. And it was like, looking back on it, I still got to experience, be there, and see it all. Definitely would have loved to ride, but it was uh, still really cool. I'm grateful for it. Did you attempt the next ones? No, so. For like, yeah, to go in like the full kind of like, I guess, uh, outline of the career. So after after that, it was 2018, 2019, I was it broke my pelvis. Jeez. Yeah. How'd no, I that? broke my pelvis 2018 before that. Just under rotated a back triple on ice. Oh. Landed like, yeah, just like spider web my pelvis. How did that feel? Oh, it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember being in like the most pain I've ever been in because every time i like muscle would flex it would like pull the the fracture oh yeah and then i was like yeah i just had i was i think i was falling so many times and even if i could i'll send you some like clips of me like eating shit and i think i just was like starting to like be like why am i doing this to my body and i wasn't enjoying it as much and i had the opportunity to start filming and i at that time i had already bought a sled Okay. So I had a sled in 2017. So in the midst of like doing all these contests, I already was like thinking about riding backcountry. Right. And I think that's just like the way my mind works. I like always like want to have like the next thing to focus on. Right. And I'm stoked I did that because now I get to like, yeah. Yeah. To me, that's where it's at. Yeah, exactly. The most fun. Yeah. Yeah. But without, I think, yeah, like without having that time on the national team and learning, you know, just how to take care of your body working out, riding sled lamp or sled camps where you're hitting a jump 50 times in a day. And the reps I got on my snowboard, I don't think I allowed me to do what I do today. Sure. So I'm really like stoked that I was able to have that time in my life. Right. And the people I met too, like, yeah, like Elliot Catton, who is still the national team coach to this day. He worked with me the whole time and taught me a lot mentally too on that side of things, not just the riding. Right. So you were a part of Team Canada 
And what was, um, cause I'm always, I'm always into like the fitness and like yeah. the longevity stuff. Yeah. What was kind of the program there? Like weightlifting, mobility training, stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of mobility, a lot of, um, a lot more like agility training. Okay. We had a, our strength and conditioning coach still now is Jeremy Shepard, like legend in the industry, but he was all always about like getting us as quick as we could. So he'd mm. like put our, when we do our squatting, he'd look at the velocity, see how fast we're yeah. not, not how much weight we're pushing, but how fast we can push the weight up. Right. And then that would affect your like pop. Yep. And then your pop means you're going to be able to hit a jump and go bigger than your opponent. So it was like always based on that kind of stuff. Right. Which I still do like, focus a lot on that because the quicker you can be on your feet and the more nimble like yeah the riding becomes a lot easier right so that was like the main focus was like a lot of agility like single leg stuff and and always trying to like like get your your numbers up you know like mm. looking at you like we'd have like force plates so you could see your like your jump and if you're putting too much weight on your left foot or your right foot because maybe your ankle's a little banged up and you're starting to like uh. compensate for that injury Wow, freaking telemetry there. Yeah, like, yeah, they really, like, were uh, definitely driving in, and you'd, like, you know, you'd have your, your spreadsheet, and you'd look at all your numbers and where you can improve. Wow. Like, your, yeah, so it's, like, like that kind of thing I'm stoked I got to do because I don't think I would have realized the potential. And, like you said, the longevity. If I can do that, even through my next career in the backcountry that's how i'll be able to do it for a long time like right it's one thing being a good snowboarder it's like if you can be a good like i guess athlete yeah in a weird way to say but because snowboarding is not really like i don't look at it that way but in the gym you got to think yeah you got to think like that you got yeah, an athlete's mentality totally and you yeah. want to spend long days in in the mountains and trying to do progressive things I'm, i want my body to yeah to work and yeah, i've had totally. so many injuries so i've do, had do you do anything for like injuries or like you know call it things like sauna or ice bath stuff like yeah, that. yeah i like to stem do stem cells no i've never done never gotten to the stem cells maybe later down in the career yeah. <laughs> if i need it but uh a lot of yeah a lot of ice bathing i'm like huge i love like the dry needling like acupuncture more of like st where they like like move the needle and try to find the yeah the 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 like spot. choke point or whatever yeah, yeah exactly like you get like a pinch in your back and they just put it's not like acupuncture where they put it in they put it in and <laughs> move it around until yeah. your muscle grabs it yeah and that's like i'm still do that like for for my like recovery because yeah i think just putting long days on the on the legs your your body gets twisted up a little bit <laughs> yeah for sure do you follow uh any uh like program for nutrition or anything like that uh, i was on and like when i was on the national team they had me like going to a doctor that would help my nutrition and they actually like went through and we did like a dna test to see where i was like deficient and everything oh, like wow. that so i guess my thing was i had like super high stress levels sure <laughs> yeah my brain wouldn't turn off so there's like some stuff that i would do a lot of like magnesium and stuff to like help my brain turn off yeah <laughs> i guess yeah yeah yeah. Would be for sure. and i still like do that but definitely just try to eat clean i'm not yeah. like crazy about it right if i'm more about if i'm exercising i look at it like okay it offsets what i'm not <laughs> sure yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> funny. maybe I... it's like not the best way to do it but you gotta if i don't feel good then i'm like let's change something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Evan McEachern. I was asking him about yeah. uh, the Olympic Village food. And I'm like, oh, they, they must serve you like the best stuff. And he's no. like, no, dude, like pizza and chicken nuggets. Yeah. yeah. I think that was like the hardest part of traveling, going to some places where the food, like I would lose weight. Really? Because I couldn't eat like I wanted to. Yeah. And then that food wouldn't make you feel that good. Yeah. It's like crazy how like how important that side of things is. Affects your sleep, affects your like yeah yeah do you tape your mouth shut at night i haven't yet but my girlfriend always was like close your mouth <laughs> <laughs> you're snoring yeah. <laughs> but i've been too lucky i guess to touch on like the stuff that i like to do um there's like flow like basically like flow research and like flow states okay i'm yeah, super yeah. into that like that's something that i've kind of dove into especially riding backcountry because when you have a good run or like a good moment is all flow state yeah and like you're basically driving into that moment your brain's turning off you lose your sense of self yep and you're just so so present it's like the best feeling but there's this guy that worked with us on the national team i still work with him now uh chris bertram he works with a bunch of the pga tour players okay. too like canadians yeah. like nick taylor and stuff like that and it's really cool because he's his whole job is to study flow states and how to get wow. people into flow states easier. All and right, give us the spiel. Yeah, the spiel. I mean, a lot of it's like breathing. Like if you can work on breath work, like yep. something I do is like three, four, seven breathing. It's like three seconds in, holding for four seconds, yep. then seven seconds out. Okay. And it's just something that helps me relax because I'm like high, high stress. Yeah. For other people, you might want to do like box breathing because which is like it, four 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 yeah seven, it'll, it'll seven, heighten it'll actually make you like it'll right it'll make you feel more anxious and yep. then that could get you but for me i like i need to like go the other way and like calm down yeah and then a big one that i use a lot when i'm in the mountains is like opening your gaze like basically like pulling your eyes up mm. and seeing the surroundings because a lot of times you're like if you're nervous you're looking down you're not your body energy is like tight and tight. Close, yeah. So if you open your up and you start looking around and then just be like, wow, this place is really beautiful. Completely takes you out of like what you're about to do. Yep. And then you just are like, you're more present because you're realizing the beauty of where you are. I use that one like a lot. Whenever I'm like super scared yeah. to do something, yeah. <laughs> I'll just like, yeah, you trick yourself to be like, wow, it's so nice here. Like yeah. looking around, looking at the peaks maybe it's a bluebird day sun shining and then you're just like yeah this is like an opportunity to do something special and you like changes your the way you're thinking about what you're about to do yeah and that's so important out there for sure yeah for sure like especially like me with racing or mm -hmm. with that like it's so easy to not enjoy it yes right yeah totally and if you like look and you're like okay be like a little grateful for like how rare this opportunity yeah. is and smile and totally it yeah. changes everything yeah practice the gratitude like especially for you but like this is something i've wanted to do my whole life as a kid yeah and now i'm here doing it yeah you're enjoy like, it enjoy it yeah because <laughs> it is you like it you sometimes you maybe it feels like you're Cause it's the way I make a living so I can put that pressure on myself. But as soon as I start going that way, I like reel it in really quick because mm -hmm. that's like the, why I do it is like the fun of it and like yeah. the adventure and like being out there with like a good group of people and good friends and yeah, making amazing moments, but it's sick. Yeah. Like if 
people uh, are ever interested in that like there's a uh, rise of superman is one of the books that okay. i read it's uh like all about flow states yeah and then it's the art of impossible is another one that i read both are like this guy uh St i think his name steven kotler is the um a uh, guy that wrote the book but basically it just gives you all the little tips and hacks on how to like mm. how to bring it into everyday life it's not even sometimes it could be writing a email to somebody and you yeah. can kind of get drive into it and be really focused be for that present. moment yeah. yeah yeah for sure it's a weird yeah it's like a weird uh i don't know it's such a weird thing a flow state because it's so hard to explain it's all different for everybody right but when it happens like you've experienced it 100 percent when you're racing yeah where you're just like so in it yeah and you're not even thinking you're just doing you're just letting your body do yeah. it and that's like i think that's the feeling like guys who do extreme sports and stuff chase yes. subconsciously 100 percent, yeah because you get that feeling and it and it's like or even like you know maybe at the top of a run before you're about to drop in for yeah. a competition like it you know you're terribly nervous mm -hmm. but it feels if you actually like step back and say how does this feel physically it feels really good totally yeah almost lean into that feeling yeah yeah like always like the one like if you're nervous it's because you want it you know and like, yeah. that's a good but like leaning into that feeling knowing that i always like it because then i'm like maybe the reason i'm feeling this way is probably because something special might happen mm. you know or like there could be something cool yeah about to go down yeah 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 it's like have you had um like any experiences like that that you can articulate like an out of body experience or like yeah. where you were like third person yeah just kind of watching yourself like i've had that i for sure like the one of the better flow states i've had was when i got second at the us open i remember like so vividly like did a trick that i hadn't done before in competition and it was like i was like a, almost like a passenger and it was like just everything was happening i was still like in my first person but mm -hmm. It wasn't like I was thinking about each trick. It just was like, it would just happen. Right. And it was like the craziest feeling. And I definitely have felt that um, was uh, like the form step down was like one of like an iconic uh, backcountry spot, big step down in, okay. in Brandywine there. And I hadn't ever hit it before. Really wanted to do like a double court because it hadn't been done on that feature before. And I remember just dropping in, hitting the lip and then, I completely like blacked out, rode away and had no idea, but it was like the craziest thing because it just clicked. Like right. as soon as I left the lip, it was like, oh, you're doing it. And I couldn't even like, it wasn't even like I was there. It was just like tush, riding out like, whoa, it's like full. You get, we call it like clip high <laughs> when you, when you land something like yeah. that, it's like the, the feeling of pushing yourself to do the trick, but then also knowing that you're like, Oh man, I can't wait to see that shot. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Now like that you're filming and stuff like yeah, let's like, go look at the clip when yeah, you get you, down. You like chase it. And then too, it's like when you're filming, like if you if like say we have three riders and we all come back to the trucks and we all have like A grade clips, like mm. that feel the the film we're stoked. We're all stoked because everyone got a shot. And it's like you're just yeah, euphoric. You're just so fired up. Yeah. How uh, how tough is it when you go out there and like it just doesn't work out? Like you feel like you've just wasted a day. Yeah. It's tough for sure. I I think what I like about it though is that when it doesn't go right for you, hopefully it goes right for your buddy that you're filming with, and mm. it feels more of like a team 
camaraderie, more of like you're working together. Like maybe we're all filming for the same project. So like I want my Mikey rents, for example, I want him to get a shot or yeah. Solars to get a shot just as much as me because we're all filming for the same project. Right. Which I liked because when I wrote Slopes, I was very individual and it's all based on your own success. And it still is with Backcountry, but it's way more to have like a good solid crew and everyone working together. Yeah. And like you can like build off each other. Like you get your shot, but then you're like, okay, now let's get yours. Let's work together and like make this happen. I like that more because we feel like we're all. Yeah. And work- it, it, you have to. Like you yeah. can't just go out there solo out in the backcountry of the mountains. No, it's yeah. like for safety, for for like efficiency. It's like you have to have like a solid foundation of crew. And I've been lucky that someone like Mikey Rents and Mark Solers are like two of like some of my favorite riders that I watched as a kid yeah, and then I got to film with them and they've been like lucky enough. I've been lucky enough to have them like mentor me and show me the ropes and how to do it, how to snowmobile, how to, how to create a video part. Mm. Cause I think I didn't realize how to do it until I tried it right? and how challenging it is. But those guys have been doing it combined, like, like 35 years of like experience, both of them filming video parts every year and just a different process than, showing up to a slope style contest knowing that there's three jumps three rails this is my run yeah but then when you're in the backcountry there's no one telling you be like okay hit hit this take off there and and do a trick right you know like it's more you got to come from your from yourself and yeah i like that right when in and i'm assuming it was in your slope style career when you're competing when did you and and how did you kind of conceptualize okay, I'm now going to make a, a living doing this. You know, I guess, how mm. did your sponsors come about? How yeah. did the financial aspect work out? So I was lucky enough to um, get an agent when I was 15. Okay. Um, Mark McMorris, who's greatest snowboarder of all time, for sure. I mean, and in Canada, like absolute legend. He was, uh, we kind of like did this little coach session that Sam set up okay. in New Zealand when I was 14. He saw some potential in me. We rode together. He referred me to his agent. Was like, you should look at this mm. next, you know, up and coming kid. And my agent, Ninja, um, Jason Isaacs is his name. He actually got me on Burton when I was fifteen. Wow. Started with like, just like a travel budget, and I actually rode for Monster at the time too. Okay. And they, dude, like that, like to ride for Burton as a kid, that must be. Oh, great, I remember right? like being, because for me, I'd never had. You know, my parents were like hooking it up like my dad would just like go so heavily into he just he had basically just dove his whole life into my snowboarding which I'm so grateful for wouldn't have been where I am now without him but we'd never seen any sort of like dollars sure for for us to do it so I started with a travel budget and then that would pay for my season so then it took the burden off my parents and then that would turn into like a salary so basically at 15 I realized I was like I'm making making money to do this and I'm getting paid. Yeah. Kind of, kind of hard to wrap my head around at that age because sure it happens so fast and you're living at home. So you don't really see the expense side of things. Exactly. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm a pro snowboarder. Like it just, it's just, even now I'm like, fuck, I'm so stoked that it worked out. (laughs) Like it's, it's kind of crazy. And I still, still ride for Burton now. So it's been 11 years that I've been on the program, which is, and they're like, yeah, it's, it's a really hard industry to break into, but if you can kind of like, yeah, base, base your 
you're just surely like just go on like progression and like being better for yourself like Mm -hmm. i didn't i don't think i always looked at it as i need to like do this event or this event i just was like stepping stones if i did this then maybe i get there and if i did this maybe i'd get there right kind of fell in it in the lap of each other i guess yeah is a way to describe it but, so go ahead oh no you go out well now so now like and you still have the same agent same agent yeah okay. so is he out hunting sponsors for you like and how active are you in that process because i mean i imagine that's where your money's coming from yeah oh yeah no yeah. i i'm uh I think a, bi- a big one is like obviously the agent can help you, but it's creating your own relationships within the companies that I ride for, you know, yeah. like being being more involved with Burton and like the R&D and trying to be like, let's let's help them not only promote their products, but let's make better, better sure. boards, better sure. gear. And like they appreciate that more than it's not just the riding side of things. It's like everything, you know, yeah, like I was value to them. Yeah, like we just did this Burton Mystery Series event in Snow Valley back in January. I flew from Vancouver just for two days just to come ride with the kids. And that impact it has on the brand, you know, like yeah. that that's kind of the stuff that they're looking for. More than just you kind of have to do it all. You're trying to be like a spokesperson for right. the company in a way. It's right. the same with like Rockstar. I've been riding for them for six years now. And like it's really cool at the time right now they've kind of been revamping their career a lot Mm. more of like filmers and people riding like street riding and and backcountry so they're kind of trying to like change the image a little bit of like what they're after which is i'm really stoked to be a part of that right they have like really good movements and stuff like that so how did the conversation go i guess with your sponsors who are funding your career saying hey i'm done competing in slope style i want to go film in the backcountry and do this now like a full switch that was stressful for sure because I didn't really know what was going to happen, to be right. honest, because I knew that I wanted to do it, and but I was really nervous that my brands wouldn't support you. Because ultimately at that time, they're like, he's in the X Games, he's trying to, he's doing those events, like that mm-hmm. was my thing. Yeah. And then I completely was like, I'm not going to do any contests, I'm just going to film. But I think that's rad about the snowboard industry is that it's so um respected and like it's uh, people understand like how important the filming side of things is and i hope that like can always stay because that's like when i said they're like oh yeah makes complete sense like yeah we support you we want it and it was definitely a little tough because it was right during covid Mm. so everything kind of shifted like my deals dropped and then i so i was like making decent money and then had to like take a cut yeah and then i was like grinding because i was like okay if i can do well so it kind of really lit a fire under my ass to be like, let's let's get it. Yeah. Because it definitely changed. Like it was like on a good up and then yeah, definitely dropped down for for like two years there. So I and I just realized that if I wanted to do this and if my brands like Rockstar and Burton wanted to compete keep supporting me, I had to show them that, you know, they they want people that are at the front end, like the leading the the progression yep. of backcountry snowboarding. So I just kind of was like, you know, buckled down. And ultimately, it's what I always wanted to do. Sure. So it was like a lot of things snowballed and to, to make that happen. But right, a bit stressful for sure. Yeah. When you're, you know, I had the back burner. I was like, maybe I'll just be a snowboard coach. I'll be like, like talking to the national team. I was like, can I 
you know, can I coach with you guys? Cause I needed a backup plan. Sure. If, if it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that's, sometimes it's good to bet on yourself Yeah. and, and be like, let's just try it. Well, the reward is huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. It can definitely, yeah, go both ways, but I think it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so explain for me, cause I, from, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause maybe, cause you're filming with Burton, they're putting out their own movie. Yeah. So, so I tied in. Tied in, yeah. The first movie I did was the King Snow movie, which is a Canadian magazine. Okay. So Burton would like pay my like basically buy in. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. How do movies work? Because it costs a lot of money to make a ski or snowboard movie. Yeah. And sponsors buy in and then put their athlete in the movie, right? Totally. Yeah. Okay. So like for example, the King Snow movie would be like they would pay, you know, it could be anywhere from like ten to twenty thousand dollars to have their rider in the project. Then they would get all the assets, all the, the footage, like right. so that they can post it on their channels and everything. So basically at the start of the year, but it's kind of funny because too, you're just, you're buying in before you even like film. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, and for me, I had never filmed the video part. Yeah. I had luckily the year before, um, I filmed for one world and I, I did two days of filming and I got three shots. Okay. So in my mind, I was like, if I can get 10 sunny days, right. I'm going to get 20 clips. I'm going to have a full part. And I, that was my like weird way to like wrap my head around it. But then the next winter, I realized that like that does not happen that easy. <laughs> yeah. I think I just got lucky with those days. Yeah. So it was definitely a grind. But then I ended up getting the opening part in the King Snow movie. Cool. Which is like in snowboarding if, and skiing too. If you get like the opener ender it means that you might like you have like some of the best shots of the the video so i remember actually like i cried when i watched my video part for the first time because sure. of how much it meant to me and like i got to use my like favorite band future islands oh yeah and i th it was just like it it like really took me over because of like everything too like quitting the national team leaving that side of snowboarding that i had done for yeah, like 16 years of my life was so heavily focused on that. And then just to leave it all, you know, get a pay cut and be like, okay. And then it, for it to work, I was just like, holy shit. Like it, it really came, came over me. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. And especially like, yeah, like man, having an opening part in a video and I'm sure you were the same way. Like I would, I would burn dvds to the ground over the oh, course yeah. of the winter just mm -hmm. watching movies dude over and over again yeah like i remember me and uh mike rozart would watch like the same like sandbox videos like all day every day we'd watch it every day going to the hill and like that was like yeah i grew up watching movies yeah and video parts and that was like uh that's how we consume snowboarding it's definitely different now for the next generation but i think it's cool that we're still like in the industry, making sure movies are a part of the the snowboard community and culture. Yeah, because you know, in skiing too, it's so important to have that. You know, you don't get to see the clips, then your favorite rider is putting out this project, and you're like, I'm still like that with every other rider. Sure. Yeah. You know, when like I'm like Arthur Longo's dropping new clips, I'm like, oh, this Can't is going to be insane. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what are your what are your thoughts on the the TikTokification oh, of yeah. like clips and you know like instant like some guy does a crazy trick and it's posted that day kind of thing yeah it's it's a really weird scenario the way i think personally you need both sure. like for the way 
to be a pro snowboarder, you need to be putting out stuff pretty constantly. And, and for the brands like for Rockstar and Burton, they want content like quickly. And yeah. cause that's how we're marketing their, their gear and their drinks and stuff like that. So I just think it's tough because yeah, you, like you said, you have the instant gratification where what I liked about what I like about filming video part is that, you know, you film all winter and then maybe you tell your like girlfriend or your buddy that you're like, oh, yeah, I have some like good shots. Like, it's pretty sweet. And then yeah, then for it all to come out and you're at a premiere and someone's seen it for the first time, that right. feeling. And I think for the feeling of the viewer is even more special. Yeah. But like I said, I think you need both. I just hope that that side of snowboarding never leaves because it's so it's important like it's yeah it's part of the culture it's part of the culture it's where we started and it's like it's how you you know i remember going to premieres when i was a kid and getting to see my favorite snowboarders live and in person and it, it kind of builds the the persona of like be like that kind of thing yeah and, like the superstar yeah star, and like i just movie star movie star yeah no i just think <laughs> it's cool to have you need both but the tiktok's funny because i find even on my Instagram, sometimes the clips that I don't think will mm. do that well do extremely well. Like maybe it's just like an iPhone follow cam through some powder that I just throw up and then it gets like a million views and I'm like, what the heck? And then like something that I'm like, I did this cab nine down the step down and I'm like, that was insane. And you're like, oh, it didn't really get many. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's, yeah, like it's the core fan wants that. And then like maybe the public wants like the mass public where you're going to maybe catch somebody's eye that doesn't snowboard and mm -hmm. or doesn't even be a part of the mountains. Maybe that'll like catch their attention and be like, oh, maybe I want to like try, try it. Sure. You know, yeah. it, it, the masses of it, it's, it's hard to argue that it's, it's bad, I guess. I don't know. No. What do you think? No, no, it's definitely not bad. And, and I, I'm. I'm blanking on who it was. It was like a skate video back in the day where there was nothing really technical in it, but he made everything look super fun and like accessible. Yeah. And that's something I love obviously is like just being a complete amateur skier, but like I could see myself doing that. Totally. So yeah. I think that's where it kind of goes to the masses and it's like, Oh, these guys are having a boatload of fun. Mm -hmm. He hit that hit that I think I could hit, you know, totally. And, yeah. And, yeah, I yeah. think there's an aspect there. That's like my my biggest, like what I enjoy so much is going out on the resort and filming side hits. Mm. Like that's like when I'm not filming in the backcountry, I'll go ride side hits with my homies. Sometimes I'll just put up my iPhone and do like selfie cam, yeah. hike a side hit by myself. But exactly what you said is that I think people love it because they can relate to it. They're like, I would, I would hit that. Yeah. I would try to ride that. And that's like my best uh, performing clips or side hit videos right on the mountain and it's something that i just love doing because it feels like you're just feels like you're a kid you know yeah you're playing around on like a little three foot jump but you're trying to go 30 feet down into this like weird landing yeah and if it works it works great yeah yeah it's like i love that people love those clips because yeah. it makes me i'm just, I like just keep going doing it it's like the right and you thing. can just go ride the chairlift and go do it oh yeah, yeah. it's it's sick and it's so good for you're riding like when I when I stopped competing I kind of like realized I was like I don't think I need to ride as much park mm. mm -hmm. because I didn't think the park was would help me get better at riding backcountry because it's so just 
perfect. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's no imperfections. The lips perfectly groomed, and the lips are so long. Something I didn't realize is backcountry is back like, country, yeah. you know, I might be hitting a step down and it's like the takeoff is three feet long and my run in is 10 feet long. Yeah. And I'm trying to do a trick. And it's like you never get that feeling in the park. So now I've been really enjoying just riding around Whistler and not in the park, but trying to do tricks. Yeah, Maybe I, I see this little bump. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could 540 that. Yeah. And then that relates to like riding big mountain and like backcountry train because it's all about like adapting as it's happening mm -hmm. and trying to like feel looking at this little bump like i wonder how my board's gonna react when i hit this yeah and then sometimes you get bucked yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it works so but learning how to like recognize hits and how your board is gonna react so yeah, yeah how to stand on it is something that yeah i've loved it's actually like i mean i just now get so fired up but like it's changed my whole perspective on snowboarding, which is sick. Yeah. Because I used to be so like, I need to go to the park. I need to do a 1260. I need to do this trick. And then now I look at a good day on the hill is like, oh man, I can't, I hit that side hit and I landed switch or like I did a switch backside air on this little side hit. And in my mind, that was like how I look at the day. Yeah. But before it'd be like, did I do a 1260? Right. And then now it's like, oh no, you rode that line kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like completely switched the way I look at it. For sure. Yeah. I love like uh, the push towards everyone riding fast too, like down like sketchy shit. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I just posted this clip of me riding right underneath the chair in Jersey Cream. Just put the GoPro right in my In Whistler. Yeah, yeah, and just like charging through like Chunder and trying to do tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people were like loving it, but and I loved it too because that you get adrenaline rush and then you like – your legs are all fired up, and I feel like I'm like I, I became better at snowboarding after yeah. that. Yeah, to be able to ride that shit. Yeah. yeah, and then and then in my mind, I'm like, if I can ride this bumpy, moguled out terrain, when it's powder, yeah, it's gonna be pretty easy, right? <laughs> or like easier, right? Less, less. Obviously, there's way more variables, but I'm always looking for like the next way to like, like I said, like my whole career sport has been like looking more at the progression mm -hmm. and then letting like the work uh like go to the results i guess in a way like, yep you put yep. in the effort then you'll get the yeah accolades or every like rather than focusing on that focusing on what you're doing right right i yeah i personally i love that uh like what social media has done where yeah like riding the hill you can just put out stuff like i look at a guy like sean pettit right yeah who's just completely hung up his skis yeah now and, he's a snowboarder yeah and what he does and he doesn't do you know doubles or no anything but he makes it look fun mm -hmm. and i think that's why you know his clips do so well totally and like why he's still supported because people want like like i said you need you need all aspects like i think he perfect example he has that like gnarly persona where he was the best skier for whatever like 10 years in a row he was winning skier of the year yeah doing like 360s off like 150 foot yeah yeah but then you see him and go like pick up snowboarding and you're like oh wow like it's still like yeah it's fun it's relatable and it it makes you want to get out there and ride like that's the ultimately what i like to do too is just i want people to be like i want to go snowboard yeah you know like that's the bottom line even when i'm filming too like I try to make it look, look out for the list, look graceful and mm. look fun. Like I obviously want to do gnarly things, but if I can make the gnarly thing look 
fun and nice, then that's yeah. like my goal. Right. Because I've never really had like I've tried. I've always like tried to like not flail. Like like my style has been like I think Tight. why I've been able to keep doing it. Maybe yeah. in a way, it's weird because style is all very. Um, you know, it's, everyone has an opinion on style, but mm -hmm. at least the way I look at my writing is that is like if I can make it look nice. Yeah, it's funny how much, um, you know, people who are outsiders, like how much they don't realize how much of a performance art it is. Yeah, I know. And it, I think, too, we're like barreling into this conversation. It's probably like, what are they talking about? But yeah, it's like the big, great, great piece of advice. Solars, Mark Solars, who's like, probably one of the best styles in snowboarding is like always like it's not what you do it's how you do it mm. and i always think about that now because it's that yeah, it's like like you said it could be a 180 but it's the way it's done and like the little weird like very minute details that maybe like you poked your board a little different the way you landed and like i like that like you get almost like nerd out on yep. little intricacies like like that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah, because it is for the viewer. Like yeah. To, you know, even if you're the viewer, but it is mm -hmm. like so much for sitting down at the end of the day watching it. Yeah. Like that looked good. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, it'll be almost something that's inarticulate like or intangible, but it'll do two million views because it yeah. looked like really good. Or yeah. Like, or like just the way it was. Like I like uh, one of my favorite snowboarders, Mikkel Bang, who, who was on that I already got to ride with. And, but he's like, been my favorite snowboarder since i was a kid now i get to ride with him which is a trip but watching the way he maneuvers his board it just, it's like it's just the little things like mm -hmm. the way he turns and the way he like scrub speed yeah is like graceful you know it's yeah. like but he's like charging down a a full ak line but making it look like right. he's riding a cat track right yeah it's like kind of crazy so when did you when did you move to whistler like I would have grown moved, up in Ontario. Yeah, I moved to Whistler right when I got on the national team, so I was 18. Okay. So it's been eight years that I've lived there. Was that a big, uh, like, lifestyle adjustment, like, going out on your own kind of thing? Yeah, totally, for sure. At that time, too, like, uh, get a little deeper is that my dad passed away in October of uh, 2014. So right, right at that time? Right at that time. And I always remember just being like, I don't know if I can do this. I, can, I don't know if I could move, but his his passion for my snowboarding and like the way we shared that, like I'm I'm like wish he was still here and it's it's really tough, but I'm always like snowboarding for him. And that time was like I think having snowboarding got me through that time. Right. Because, you know, you could get into doing bad stuff because you're like at that time Hurting. I was Yeah, you're but all I wanted to do was just get better at snowboarding. Right. And Whistler was a good place for that because you could shred every day and you could ride from, you know, the mountain opens in November and ends end of May. Right. So there's like a lot of time to snowboard. Right. And I just used almost used it as my therapy. Sure. To like I just like dove into it even more than I had. Right. And and prior yeah, because it, it is like you, you can go as deep as you want mentally into that type of activity and mm -hmm. it'll take you right out of your mind. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like it. Like I said, it can it pulls you out of it where sometimes you're just, yeah, you're thinking of what's happening in front of you and you don't think about what's happened in the past. So yeah. it's definitely looking at it now. I'm like, well, I was grateful that I had snowboarding to like get me through that time for sure because I was young and losing 
a parent, especially someone like my dad, definitely was gut-wrenching. Like, I remember just being so sad for, for a long time. But every time I'd get on my snowboard, I could, like, smile. Right. And be happy. So Right. So is that advice for someone to to just, like, if they're, you know, struggling or hurting or yeah. to, to just dive into something? I would say, yeah, like, something something that's like tangible and like you can like you know even if it's like drawing or like maybe it's like you're skateboarding and learn how to kickflip like something on that scale where you can take your brain away from mm -hmm. what you're doing because i think that's like the whole point of like hobbies is like getting your getting out of what your life might be or like yeah. you know it's in a weird way so yeah i'd say to anyone going through that like losing a parent it's always nice to talk to other people that have gone through it that's mm. how i got through it i think was the big one yeah like just knowing that other people have gone through it and they're okay yeah so it's like okay then i'll, I'll probably be okay yeah yeah <laughs> and it'll happen to everyone exactly it's not like uh but if you don't if you're not open about talking about it i don't think you won't you won't know that like the person next to you, you're like oh yeah my you know my mom passed away when i was 13 or something like that where you would have had no idea and sure but i think it's good to to talk about it right um what is it like living in whistler is it's like i imagine it's quite the party if party. you're yeah. susceptible to that kind of thing for sure and snowboard scene like we all we like to snowboard and we like to also party yeah <laughs> it's like the it goes hand in hand which yeah. can be a little hard to navigate sometimes but i uh been good because i don't live in the village like proper so I like remove myself. So if I'm going in there, you know, like I'm like, can I take a taxi? It's like more of a, a process. Yeah. yeah Still yeah. like have the, the days for sure. And I think that's like, too, what I love about it is like when you have a good day, celebrating that good day with your friends, it's like the whole process of it. Yeah. Not just the snowboarding. It's like the whole thing. Yeah. And then I think that will like keep you wanting to do it for a long time. For sure. Cause it's like, you're enjoying it all. Like even the shitty parts of it, maybe the snow sucked that day and your sled broke or yeah. you're like got stuck a bunch cause the snow's like all snotty, but then you're still like looking at your buddy and you're like, Oh, this is pretty sweet. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's so funny how much the apre is a part of the culture. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Like having a beer at the, at the lot after a good day or like, yeah, it's like, that's like the reward. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. In a weird Same way. with like cycling and stuff, guys, you know, yeah. afterwards. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, yeah, the culture of it. And it doesn't even have to be like a, if you don't want to drink, it's like just that moment of like, I don't know, just like appreciating the day because yeah. it takes you. It's like, let's talk about the day. Yeah. And yeah, how, yeah. how fun it was. Yeah. Rather than just like going home and not talking about it I don't totally know. no it's like it's really is turning on like dialing up the enjoyment of it yeah yeah because you can you could go out there and even though it's the sickest thing in the world to go snowmobile and and yeah. ski and and yeah have and a good day on the hill have a good day yeah. you could just go home and just sit on your couch and yeah it's over but if you can like you get to relive that like oh man i remember i was following you and you, <laughs> and you did that slash it was crazy yeah like yeah it's it makes you feel like a kid yeah so i'm definitely very very grateful that i get to do it and yeah it's like a a dream come true but it's ever changing like you gotta you gotta just keep keep crushing keep moving keep keep like motivating yourself yeah 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 i mean you were talking about travis rice before we started mm -hmm. recording 
he's 40. Yeah. And still absolutely at the top of the game. Yeah. Killing it. For sure. He just won both of the natural selection tour stops. So, yeah, I look at someone like that as a huge um, inspiration. And for what he's doing to the sport, he's creating this amazing f- competition that we get to, like, I never thought I'd get to go to, like, Alaska. and Yeah, explain what natural selection is. Yeah, so Natural Selection Tour is a tour started by Travis Rice and Liam uh, Griffin, who's on the more of like the logistics side. And it's been, this is the third year now. And it's basically like a, like a, the best way I describe it is like a big mountain freestyle event. Okay. And they've started in Jackson Hole where they have like a full course that they build in the summer. Yeah have booters they make landings and then they let the snow come and then it's just like this like ultimate showdown right and i think it's really cool because it's showing snowboarding in a new environment where you're getting to watch because they really make it sure like really cool venues really cool terrain and good snow like ultimately is the is what we're trying to make happen so as a viewer like that was my favorite event to watch because it was You'd have someone like Giggy Ruff and Austin Sweden riding together in a contest. And these guys that you've just been watching filming your whole life. And then now they're like live on your TV yeah, and you're getting to watch sick powder and these amazing lines. It's like it brings like the contest, like the slope style, like event. But then it kind of changes it into a more, I feel like, digestible yeah. watching because it's, it's head to head, right? It's head to head. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's tricks that, you know, that an average snowboarder would be like, I can get a front three around or I can, I can land a front five, but then it's them doing it on huge, yeah. crazy cliffs. But I think it's, it's really cool because you can definitely dive into it and, and feel that feeling of like, as everyone knows, at least if you're a snowboarder or skier and you've gotten the sense of like what it's like to ride a little bit of powder, yeah. it's like changes your whole perspective. And I think that's what the tour is trying to do is just share that on like a big scale and like make it, yeah, like almost attached to it where riders, you can see like someone like Travis is like, I'm like blown away with his riding and Micklebang is a perfect example. When he, he, he was in Alaska this year and I got to be there and watching him ride live was the one of the most insane things I've ever seen. He just was just just riding like an absolute legend like it just everything was happening yeah and clicking and seeing something like that live and then getting to watch it too after and sharing it with other people is really cool how do you get invited to that like that's such an elite group of guys yeah so i was just lucky enough to film that king snow part uh that i opened and then the year after we did a movie called arc that danny davis started And he kind of funded and put it all together. And I ended up getting the the closing part in that video. And the way they look at it is like what you're doing within the snowboard community. So they look at your video parts. They look at what like what kind of train you're riding. So I got invited because of that. Okay. And it's pretty crazy because I had made it a goal of mine to get there. Like after leaving national team, I was like, okay, five-year plan. Like let's – like national at that time natural selection was already like a year in and i was like oh man this is like that's the ultimate goal if i could get there it'd be insane and then it happened three years so it felt like it happened a little quick and i I definitely had to like learn quickly Mm. but i'm really grateful that i got the opportunity because now i think it's like it's changed the way i ride yeah 
him without that and seeing like the men and women like just absolutely do insane things in front of you makes you realize that you're like oh i'm capable of more sure yeah you know yeah, like yeah, yeah it's in a weird way how that works yeah. too like you see you see something that you think is just like a death cliff and then someone 360s it totally like well you know just like in the park if someone hits it with the right speed it's technically doable so i could hit it with the same speed as that guy and i could do it yeah it it opens it up it opens your mind to it when you watch someone do that like even uh it was and not in Alaska, Lena rode this line that no one else had rode on the quarterfinals, like the first face we rode. And she rode it like insane. Like, I think it was the best run of the day on that face. And we're all like, how did we not see that? You know, like it was, right. but it's just like that kind of stuff shows you that you're like, oh, I didn't realize you're like, maybe enter here. And, and that cliff that looks scary actually had a perfect landing. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it opens your, your mind to it. So I saw revel i watched revelstoke in alaska yeah the revelstoke one looked bananas it was terrifying yeah yeah like we'll pull up a clip like after i'll put it in this like it's there was some like death cliffs oh yeah and where was it it was um in selkirk tangiers like terrain that they have um so it would have been like we're in revelstoke took a 20 minute flight out towards the mountains yeah um in this yeah, remote location. It was pretty amazing. They'd had like full Starlink. It was, I think the first of its kind ever had like a live broadcast Wow. in the mountains. From just deep in the mountains. Deep in the mountains. Like it was so strange, like all of it's live. And then the riding, like I was to first time anything doing anything like that. And the days leading up to it, we have like, they give us like a photo of the face and you're like studying it yeah and then they give us drone footage so they have like gab the drone pilot fly all the lines so you can just like study 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 oh that's helpful helpful a lot but i was like looking at you know my favorite riders like ben ferguson and mickle were staying together and zoe and they're all like they had done this contest before like natural selection and they're just studying 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 and i'm like is this what you guys do all the time like this seems crazy yeah and they're like no like this this terrain is so complex because all the trees and everything trying to find your line yeah because all the trees look the same so you're basically like i would be like okay i'm gonna hit this drop i'm gonna take two turns i'm gonna see those three trees yeah turn right and then like you're like going through it in your brain before you even ride it but you still like my first run i like wanted to drop off this cliff and then come over and gap this like runnel didn't realize how big the drop-in was there got sloughed out and i got into this like tiger trap with rocks above me on either side and i'm like what are we doing here but learned a lot because then travis rode the line he followed my line his his next run and the way he entered was like oh you didn't have to air it he like kind of rode it in and then aired over the thing yeah and it was cool because i was like okay like learned something right like i i looked at it as, as a straight learning experience especially revelstoke because of how gnarly it was i was like i just want to come out here alive alive (laughs) yeah Yeah. and then hopefully i learned something right because we all like all of the riders after we were like had a a dinner and we're just i'm just glad that ultimately it was a great show and everyone was okay yeah yeah because that was some of the most intense like watching travis ride those pillow lines i just don't even understand like his board control is insane yeah like to have that finesse because there's 
thing with that course that's tough when you're in alaska there's not trees like you got cliffs rocks left to deal with but last in revy there was just like giant trees everywhere yeah so if you went the wrong way you could just get pinned up against a tree yeah so <laughs> that's like but it was yeah such a, a crazy experience and like i said i'm just like now i'll, I'll probably won't look at terrain the same way because mm. of that right like what's possible right and how you can ride it but i think yeah i think for people who have never ridden anything that's completely blind yeah how big an adjustment it is to get up there and go oh i have no idea am i even close to the right <laughs> spot like i have no idea where i am yeah and yeah you know what exactly it's like how to ride you, pillows bl- like you're trying to figure out yeah, you're right at the, the bottom you're yeah. like am i even close <laughs> is that the tree we were talking about <laughs> right yeah and the way you put it like yeah you'd have to i couldn't imagine how much you'd have to steady and have it just down like that like two turns yeah brush my shoulder off this tree tight here like totally yeah and i was trying to like i was trying to figure out all the ways to do it because i was watching the way that you know ben and mickle were looking and studying i was like so like you can like count your turns in between and i never thought of like doing that because you can look at the slope and be like okay i'm gonna like land here toe side heel side toe side cut right see this and then you're like i'm like doing it now i can like visualize where i was trying to ride and it definitely with that kind of thing you bring that that style and that like heavy focus into like that and then say you bring it into like filming yeah when you're looking at a line or looking at a feature it kind of can help you ride it better sure yeah, and yeah. like see see the potential that maybe that face or that zone hat didn't have and then you look at it more and you can find something in it right yeah so you guys leave revelstoke and then the next stop is alaska yeah, so and that was your first time riding like big, big shit. <laughs> yeah, so this year was a f- uh, a year of stepping out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I guess is like you know the way I've been looking at it because there's so many moments where it was a first. Yeah, you know, first time riding Revelstoke, big pillows. First time riding Alaska, and Alaska's like where we were in Valdez is some of like the longest and steepest runs, but we like so fun. Like if if you were just there riding and you're not trying to like ride the gnarly shit, it's yeah. like long sustained panels and you can just, you get to the top, which was cool. There is that it was blind right at the top. But then once you got there, it's so steep that you could see right to the right bottom. to the bottom. Okay. So it was like almost like all in front of you. Yeah. And then you're just trying to like figure out where your line is, but it is really cool with natural selection is that they give us all the drone footage. So each each line, each spine is is droned and filmed. Yeah. So then you can like, I'm looking at that at the top and studying, being like, okay, that rock's gonna be on my left. Then I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna know that my drop is right there. Yeah. So you can really like feel like you're doing it as as much as you you can. But it definitely helped me because my first run there when I we were talking about that back three I did and like. I remember getting into it and I actually like came up over the blind roll, saw the whole face and I like giggled a little bit cause I was like, Oh, I got this. Like I could see it all. Yep. And it was like that feeling. Oh, it was like crazy. Like everything, boom, land the jump, do a heel side to toe side, launch the back three, go way bigger than I expected. Massive. Yeah. Because, uh, I, I don't think I understood the scale and the size of it. I was just more like, let's just ride it. Yeah. I remember landing and just being like, and I came into the runnel and the snow was all like, cause where the runnels are, that's where the snow flushes. So it's yep. never really good powder. And I was like, <laughs> like trying to save it. Yeah. Um, but coming down to the bottom, I was like screamed. I was like, 
yeah, like that was like a full like crazy moment. Cause I, yeah, like you said, I'd never coming from riding Ontario. Yeah. And then I find myself there on top of a, a big mountain line in Alaska and like an event that I've like dreamed of. I was just, yeah, it's, it's hard for me somehow. Like I always just look at it like I'm like a happy go lucky guy. And that's like, I always like revert to that. So yeah, I think maybe it's one of my downfalls cause I just love to just enjoy the experience and I'm not like too concerned about no, how man. I do, but I'm like, I, I'm still like out there, so it's it's working. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm sure you're downplaying how competitive you probably are. Yeah. Um I, Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it is like I forget where I was someone was saying or like the number one regret on your deathbed is not allowing yourself to enjoy life more. Mm. It's like people taking things so seriously. Totally, like, yeah. There was so much low hanging fruit of enjoyment that I just didn't allow myself to enjoy. Because of you're focused on yeah. the wrong thing. Yeah. And I think that like to seeing my dad pass away and like he had the same kind of light attitude on life and and it got cut short for him and i think it just made me realize that you kind of have to just you know whatever scenario if you can enjoy it and mm -hmm. like live it up yeah because that was my dad's motto like he would just he would just give her like that was his thing that's good even when he knew it was ending it was like it's allowed some fun right and i think i've taken that definitely in like into my whole life yeah yeah well especially you're in the uh, you're in the right profession yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm lucky doing the right the right sport that yeah. allows you to just kind of send it and yeah. and see what uh what's possible but yeah alaska was yeah so incredible so how would the average guy say that you know you're a good skier or whatever and you do heli trips you're some yeah. you know executive or something yeah. but you can ski is it possible for guys like that to go do ski Alaska? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Like the heliop we were with called Pulse Line Adventure. So like the first day we did a just like a client day, like basically yep. clientship. And there was, yeah, like I think there would have been 10 other people, like from a couple people from like Tahoe. There's some people from, I think, Utah that were out there skiing. Yeah. And it's definitely like it's expensive. That's the thing sure. about Alaska is like the... Like, I think that day we did our client, it was about two grand Canadian. Yep. You get five runs, and those five runs are, like, would be maybe, like, 1,500 meters of... Yep. So, they're big. Like, you're like each run. Each run, yeah. Like, a big run. You're going all the way to, like, from the top of the mountain all the way down to the valley. Yep. And, yeah, like, if if that's something within people's budgets, I think it it's incredible. Like, it, it's the feeling you get. Yeah, riding, riding that because it's just the long sustained, you know, like yeah. continued s steeps that are just yeah for skier or snowboarder. It's it'll change your whole <laughs> whole life. You'll start chasing that more. But yeah, it's it's cool. Even in BC and Canada, we have really good heli ops. Yeah, and like places like that, I've been fortunate enough to go to like Baldface Lodge. Okay, is a cat op, cat op. Yeah, which is cool. It's like a heli in lodge. You're at the top of the mountain. You're right uh, near Nelson, and they have three cats, and you go out, and they put roads in everywhere. Right. And you're riding, like, just, like, they space the trees so you can, like, rip and go fast through yeah. trees. Yeah. That place is uh, a special one. If, like, people are looking to go somewhere like that, it's I would highly recommend. So where where's your next, um, I guess – uh, challenge like I look at the only thing that you haven't done 
is that mountaineering stuff like really yeah, yeah i don't know if i'll ever get okay there but yeah, yeah like that because you know like, that do you is do you tour at all no nah, okay. mainly like all sled. like sled access yeah um but yeah that side of snowboarding is intense like that that's when you start bringing in way more variables where i like to try to control the variables like sure. we like to get you know and that's the big thing about backcountry is like for me it's like the safety of it yeah because ultimately the goal is like to get shots and like feel that feeling but getting back to the trucks and everyone's safe is like the huge goal and i do like an avalanche course every year and trying yeah. to like get my just proficient in in the knowledge of like how to rescue somebody mm -hmm. how to triage like we do first aid courses too to yep. like learn how to take care of somebody because we're lucky in canada that we have you know volunteer um like search and rescue, search and, rescue yeah. and people will come and grab you but that could take two three hours yeah so it's learning how to like you know we carry big extra super puffs yep like big ak puffies yep. and then i have like a a sleeping mat so i can bring somebody off the snow and we have all of our splints we have like pretty much everything that you could you can at least try to help it could be me it could be my buddy helping them yeah help get down or yeah until so, someone comes totally and then like so if you're going to the mountain here and that just gives a whole nother aspect of uh of safety that i don't know if i'm willing to i'm i like risk but that my tolerance to risk i think ends there there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. like that's like the whole th thing we talk about a lot is like the course we do is called the risk maturity course okay so it's like what you're accepting yep like your risk and i think it's important especially in the mountains to have a group that's always on the same page totally so that you're not like not somebody that's like i'm about to get crazy today <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah you're like wait 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 let's <laughs> let's reel it in you got like yeah. acceptable risk and like talking about your feelings and just trying to be more vulnerable because if you can do that then everybody in the group feels like they have a say yeah which is like they call it, what's the it's called like the halo or something effect ego hail i can't remember yeah i know what you're talking about but when when you put trust in somebody that might have more experience than you because yep. they've been doing it more but one of the worst like avalanches i forget how many guys were buried and i think it was if i'm not wrong it was the deepest rescues like some stupid number of meters deep yeah and the entire group were all guides in rogers pass yeah and it was that exact effect. Like yeah, the, yeah, everyone the halo was like, effect. They not call it. sure, yeah. like, why are we going here? This is a little sketchy, but so-and-so knows Must more. Must know in front yeah. of you. Yeah, totally. And it's, like, kind of scary when that happens because then no one speaks up because it's, like, you just assume the person with more experience has already thought about it. But yeah. then that person might be not thinking about it. So, yeah, we've uh, – it's cool that, to like, learning that side of snowboarding – it, it's really cool to like have a group of people that you can trust and have those conversations where you're like, Hey, I'm not feeling comfortable yeah. right now. Yeah. Like right now we're exposed. Yeah. This like is... let's move or like, I'm not the way what I'm seeing with the mountains. Like I'm seeing shedding. I'm seeing a lot of wind. I'm not liking, I'm seeing like natural avalanches, like just talking about that. Yeah. Bringing it up to your group. If anyone's getting in a back country, like obviously take your AST one course to start, but starting with like having that Oprah conversation like even in the morning before you go out like being like okay what what are we what are our hazards today like what's our avalanche rating like so you actually have a plan so you're not just going in there 
fully blind and being like, oh, whoa, that's an avalanche. Yeah. You're like, you should yeah. be talking about that. It's cool in Canada, like how much money they put into avalanche research, like, you know, like avalanche Canada, like how many surveyors we have yeah. going out every day into the mountains to like read the snowpack and give you an idea of what's underneath your feet. It's really rad. Like we're, yeah. we have like an awesome. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. People don't appreciate that. Totally. Like someone's going out there and digging pits every day yeah. in the gnarliest weather yeah. and checking the snowpack for us to like then feel. To just go on a website. Yeah. And be <laughs> like, oh, cool. It's considerable. Today. Yeah. Going for it. You're yeah. like, okay. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, so I think, yeah, going back, I think my risk tolerance is like that where I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't think I need to involve ropes and ice axing and all that where yeah. but eventually like it'd be cool to like guide and that kind of stuff but you because you need to have all your ropes training yeah because like crevasse rescue and stuff like that but and if you want to like belay like or like someone into a line but in my mind i'm like if you're i don't think i should be riding that if i have to like yeah. <laughs> climb down yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, should, yeah. I probably that's probably not the right yeah run for me yeah for sure yeah like still like i said trying to make it look fun but gnarly yep and i think that's just too gnarly sure sure but i like yeah there's like but maybe like maybe more even just yeah say you leave the you know the ropes at home but yeah. like having a big objective like yes. there's got to be some satisfaction being like okay we're gonna summit this today yeah and back to the car like, totally or yeah. like doing a big sled lap or having like like you said objectives of like getting that line that you've been like waiting for mm -hmm. but you have to wait for the right stability and the weather and then the wind starts like coming into a factor so if you can get that checked off your list yeah. for sure and that's what alaska felt like yeah because i was so nervous for what it was like and i because i had a lot of unknowns mm -hmm. and i didn't understand like i was just like trying to figure out how big it was and everything so to check that one off it makes me want to go back and do it again because I felt like I just just got a little bit of it, like right. You know, I, I wish that I got to like move on to the next round and and keep riding, but it, it motivates me to get back there. Right. Yeah. So, are you are you kind of I I know you focus. It sounds like you focus so much on your riding. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's also the business aspect. Mm -hmm. How much thought do you put into starting a YouTube channel or things like that? Yeah. Like really trying to push the the number of eyeballs on yourself yeah it's it's i think in the past two years i think i've focused more on that too because mm -hmm. i've just realized that for me to keep doing it i need to like grow my my following like the youtube thing just like you said like i started that what my youtube channel a couple like a month ago okay and i'm like hey we'll like i'll I just subscribe oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah i did like a little full part on there and i want to like it's hard because it's so easy not to do it. It's so hard to do <laughs> it's it. It's so hard to do it. Yeah. And with like Instagram and TikTok, it's like I can go out and film a clip or I get a clip in the backcountry or that's that I'm not going to use. I can just throw it up, put a song. Yeah. But the process of making a more of a YouTube video is something I'm interested because in, I think you can get you can give your audience a bit more, mm -hmm. you know, like something maybe a bit more feeling of like who you are and like what yep. you're about. Where like Instagram, I just like post clips and right, and then throw this up on your YouTube. I know I should. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, 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 maybe yeah, that's a perfect idea. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, because I think people do like once like there's a level to the funnel, right? Like mm -hmm. there's the million views that are like, oh, they're just snowboarding with a fun song. Yeah. All the way down to like a someone wanting to listen to this. Yeah, it's exactly. Like so in depth. Like, how did you start? How does you know? How do you do it all? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah, and you can maybe, you can you know grab maybe a bit someone that really like resonates with your story or like mm -hmm. what what you're about. And yeah, no, I think it's cool. I think. There's some guys like Torstein Horgmo. He's had a YouTube channel forever, and he's been crushing it. Okay. Still making videos to this day, and I've, like, always watched them. So Right. And I think, too, like you said, business side, you have to, like, in snowboarding, it's really hard because so many people want to do it, and you got to make yourself, like, yeah, you're marketing yourself yeah. in a weird way, and sometimes that can feel, like, forced. Like, for me, I yeah. just like to ride and, and let that be – the voice of what I'm doing, but I'm yeah. realizing that I think I need to do more even just to like keep it going. Yeah. Cause I have like this, I'm like living my dream and I'm like, I wanted to keep doing this until I can't move anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> if I could keep getting like paid to snowboard in a, in a way that like is still like the sponsors I have, like Burton rockstar, they still feel like they're getting the right value and yeah. I'm giving them that. I'm going to keep trying to do it for as long as I can because I believe I can. Like, right. I believe I can keep that a certain level of of riding and yeah. and the product that I can put out. I know that I can keep doing it. Right. And that's almost like the back burner of the motivation why I'm like, okay, if I can do YouTube, maybe I can keep doing it for longer. And I think that's my whole whole life of snowboarding is just how can I keep snowboarding? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for it's sure. like and not get a job exactly yeah. yeah like i'm so so lucky and it obviously takes hard work but i just keep being like hey same thing i was like no more national team okay film video parts like yeah something you want to do but then you're like but you got to do it like i like nerd out i'll write out a trick list and then during the season i write every shot i have okay yeah and i write the location so that i know like for the next season i'm like okay i film this clip this clip this clip there probably can go back and get this shot right and i start like thinking about the whole like yeah. the process and and learning that side of right of it you definitely can like nerd out on it but how much say do you get on where you guys are going yeah it's all based it's on all us. based on your riders yeah and the the and filmer the film. will just come with you guys yeah like gabe langwall who films with us is like he's probably like one of the most legendary s snowboard filmers in our industry okay and he used to be a pro rider, so he's, like, sick to film with because he looks at terrain, like, how he'd ride it, too, and be like, yo, this is sick. Cause right. He can visualize himself riding it, and then it makes me be like, oh, yeah, that is dope. Like, we we feed off each other, and the same with, um, like, our crew, like, Brent and Solars. Like, we work together to be like, okay, what are you after today? Maybe, like, I want to go ride a jump, but Mikey wants to ride a line. So then we're just trying to, like, work together yep. to find everybody's, like, what they want right yeah but it can be challenging because the days are especially in like february and january you have short days yeah so you kind of have to like you have your objectives you're like maybe we're only gonna get like three shots today and that would be like a good day it's almost like realistic goals right yeah right and because yeah like there's the whole process of it and the sledding and something i had to learn is <laughs> the dude it's no joke like yeah people see clips of guys snowmobiling in the backcountry but it's like it's the most frustrating thing you'll ever oh do in your life Man, learning like, how to snowmobile when i there. bought my first sled i had i bought like 2017 uh 
ski do summit 850 and i was like i remember taking it out like the first two times and being like why did i yeah. Why did I get this? <laughs> you know, I'd be better to walk. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like you, you you get better. You have moments where you don't get stuck on the hill climb or the side hill clicks and it works. And yeah. I, I'm like a visual learner. So I would like watch a bunch of YouTube videos and, and try to like figure it out. But yeah, it's like a process too. And that's what I always tell to people like wanting to do backcountry filming is try to figure it out. Like I bought the sled would go out with homies mm. and we we wouldn't go film we would just go ride yeah go figure out how to be in the mountains so that when the time is maybe you get called up and now you're like it's time for filming you can, you're not a liability exactly, yeah, yeah you, and i still was like my first trip i went to blue river with the burton team yeah and i had had a sled for yeah like still three years of sledding but i i didn't realize what i was getting into and we're like full sledding in the trees and like oh, there's a video of me like coming through like i'm not scared of the throttle but sometimes <laughs> that's my problem and like coming up going right next to a tree wah, wheeling like right next to it like <laughs> yeah. right into a tree thinking i could just go through it yeah but, yeah the sleds are like they're so we were talking about this earlier the sleds are so good now like i have the ski do uh summit 154 yep. turbo and it's crazy like it's made me a better snowmobiler for yeah. sure like it's just allows you to it's so nimble you know yeah. and that turbo is like you don't have to go fast no because the track speed's so quick so you can be cruising 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 just get on it and it'll pick up just like that right yeah uh i had carl kuster on the podcast oh no way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's like well he's the man right like he freaking dude he's insane the skunk works he's the r&d guy for yeah Scooby, exactly right? he does all of their testing and he's got like the craziest like compound have you been out there i have yeah, yeah okay. that's where like actually i picked up a couple sleds from there because like okay. that's where ski has a lot of their sleds there and yep. they do all like their filming and testing so i pick up the sleds that they've already used and ski nice enough to let me use them and promote them during the season so i'm always like riding their sleds yeah it's sick um but yeah that that dude is insane. The finesse. I actually watched a bunch of his videos too. Oh, he's so good. To learn. Oh, okay, Because he's yeah. got like, he, he does like some stuff on YouTube where he's like teaching people how to sled. And I, I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. We did, uh, me, Ryan, and Tony did one day with him. Uh, and we were like racing down the trail. Like it was at Eagles yeah. Pass. And we're like, we're fully racing. Like I think there's no more left in it. Like I'm getting yeah. all of it. And Carl comes around the outside on like one ski around a corner and just like passes me like like he's not even trying. Oh. Like it's just like he's so good on a sled. Yeah, like one with it. Yeah. yeah. That's like uh Mikey Rents. He's been sledding since he was fifteen. He's thirty five, so he's got like twenty years of experience. And he is like he'll be like sledding in front of me and like see this little bump that I just like don't think is anything. He'll just do like an air land on this back of this pillow and I'm just like, What? Yeah, hell just happened. Like, Trying not to get stuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just holding on for dear life, and but yeah, it's sick to like the sledding aspect. Definitely, it's we call it like the freedom machine because <laughs> you just get to go anywhere, yeah. and to like it's amazing what they they can get you into. Yeah, and it's our tool. Like, I don't. It's too expensive. Like for me, my budget allows me to be snowmobiling and do that, but like it's a really efficient way to be in the mountains it's and the, the best, you know, like yeah. if you can get a, a sled and get out there and you can get a lot of laps, a lot of potential, like 
it is pretty incredible. Once you get it figured out, yeah, definitely takes a couple of years. But if you can get it figured out, like the lap potential, the places we can, we wouldn't be able to film our video parts no. without them. No. Like not even like our skidoos or like our our workhorses. You know, yeah. it's like what we use every day <laughs> have you had any uh catastrophic days like sled failures like full stocks like like real late night coming, uh, coming i've been home? lucky i've had friends blow their engines before and stuff like that and we've like in whistler there's like companies that because there's so many sledders out yeah. there that the helicopter comes yeah put, picks up your sled and long lines it back to the airport and then you gotta go pick it up and yeah. you get doubled out by your buddy um but we've been good like we always like because i was just taught too from the guys that i've worked with is like have a good reliable sled because it's your job and and that's why we're out there so i've been good at just always making sure that i have it like dialed yeah yeah but it's definitely still it happens like i've we've had like the other was two months ago we had gabe sled went our filmers and that's it and then you kind of figure out how to go from there but yeah you're always trying to have a backup plan <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure have you had any we had one uh <laughs> we had one day we were uh, up in revelstoke up near the dam mm-hmm. and there was a zone that we were trying to get into and our one buddy uh fucking justin he uh rolls over and he goes my grandma could get back up this no so he's like no problem we're going down here once so you go down we all go down like and we turn around and we're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, it's yeah, yeah. a straight hill climb out yeah. of this. So we try once, try twice. Ryan goes, like, right over backwards, breaks his snowboard because it's on. Like, Snaps tumbles. It, yeah, yeah, tumbles all the way down. One buddy's still at the top. And luckily, we could kind of – we just walked out. We left all our sleds at the bottom. We, we all walked out. There was one buddy with a sled. He kind of doubled us all the way to the top. And luckily, it was – okay enough to ski down to the car like on the cat track wait so you guys just abandoned we left well there's no there was no way out so (sighs) we went (laughs) oh wow yeah that's one hell of a story oh yeah so and it was like you know when you hill climb and it just gets worse and worse and worse totally you're just trenching 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 and now it's like straight up and down like it was we couldn't do it like none of us were able to ride out so we had three sleds down there and we go into town and the next morning we go to the freaking um like equipment rental and get a come along no like way we, yeah and so we attach it to a tree and we grinded all day with a come along and and got the sleds got out all the all three sleds out no way yeah because none of us were going to pay for that helicopter <laughs> no you're like we're doing it yeah. damn respect but yeah once you get to that moment of like oh no because that's the thing is like once you go down <laughs> you're 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 you've committed yeah to that to that zone and you've just covered so much ground on the sled like you're like how many kilometers have we put in today like we're totally. 50k out yeah like we're putting in like yeah like 100k on on our sleds each day for sure but that's funny that i'm dude so how long how big would have the hill been if you guys were come like well we could get it like we'd get it to the point where it was super gnarly and then, then we just park it and <laughs> someone would be like holding their sled there and someone would run down and Whoa. attach to come along Oh my god, oh, that's so sick! <laughs> it was a mess, but yeah. yeah, I remember I do have one like that. At least it, we got out, but first year filming with Craig McMorris and Sean Miskimin and um, Noobs was our filmer. Went down a zone that we wanted to called the Coop. Get down there, we're like, oh, let's take the other way out. I remember just like 
trying, hitting a tree, trying, stuck, trying. And it was like getting late in the day and we had to do like a glacier crossing to get back and just being like, my arms are just like so pumped because <laughs> like I'm not fit for this snowmobile and just remember being like, so the way we got up it was because it was such a steep hill and we couldn't go up it. I'd never done the move before, but you side hill one way and then side hill the other way oh, because what? then it cuts, yeah. it cut the the steepness of the hill out. But remember being like, I don't even know how to do this. And just being like, Aah! like just committing and hoping yeah. it worked. And then we got out. But remember being like, wow, that was intense. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's some moments where you're like, I don't. It's a, that's a scary thing. Letting your, uh, we do it. We practice like everyone stays in the same track. Yes. Even though like you, you want to have fun yeah. sliding around. Like especially when you know you're going into a zone that might be challenging to get out. If you can set a really good down track where everyone gets in it and then it, you know, maybe you don't use it till the end of the day and it hardens up. Yeah. It can definitely pull out of there. But if you go like, yeah, boondocking around, yeah, exactly. Yeah. then it gets a little interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you look at, um, you know, you're trying to do this forever, <laughs> forever. Uh, yeah. It's a funny way to say it. But yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> guys like guys for me, just being a skier, I look at guys like Mark Abma yeah. and like Mike Douglas, totally. And like and they're that. doing it well into whatever beyond 40. Yeah, exactly. Well beyond 40. Yeah. yeah. Like Mark is doing all these cool projects mm -hmm. and like, whether it's, you know, not always skiing, like he's tying other stuff in like his cool little hobbit house and like yeah he's he's showing more people into yeah. it yeah totally i i respect those guys a lot and i see mark in the mountains a lot too and still yeah. crushing it out there and yeah i just think it's cool i think too like f maybe maybe like 10 years ago or 15 years ago snowboard careers were like pretty short yeah and short-lived where you'd be like 30 and that would be it but now i think with social media and just like the changing of the guard of like it doesn't have to be the gnarliest thing mm -hmm. like we were talking about before it can be like something that's relatable and for your sponsors like that's just as important you know like for burton for me filming like a nice powder run is just as important as doing the gnarly thing and i think if you can keep doing that and like showing that it's a it's a value to them then then you can keep doing it <laughs> that's yeah. my my mind and i think the those guys too like the skiers have been showing that you can yeah if you get people attached to like who you are yeah and yeah, yeah you don't have to have the opener yeah exactly yeah. i yeah. think but i think you need the you need to have the, done it yeah. have done <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah and then you can like do something else you know yeah. but or then if then you're like someone like travis rice where you're like he's always the gnarliest earlier yeah. or dude. jeremy jones or someone yeah, yeah. exactly or like yeah yeah i mean that's so it. are you uh you gonna stay in whistler forever forever uh i mean maybe not forever we'll but definitely indefinitely move. indefinitely for the next like next bit like as long as i can be a professional snowboarder i just think it's important for like the time on the board yeah like being next to the mountain and having that time to like just the best riders at least from i've seen is the finesse and the more time you can put on your board the more yeah Finesse. But you don't have like uh, aspirations to go have like a you know a little hut somewhere in Montana or Ooh, like I mean BC. Or... I think there's like a couple places near uh, yeah like Revelstoke that I would I would not mind having a, a little a little zone yeah that could be really special yeah you know if I ever have a family and showing them the ropes of like 
sledding and filming or not filming but just riding powder yeah because my girlfriend emma loves riding powder as well she's perfect. a big snowboarder so definitely works out i can convince her to to be in the mountains. i'm sure that wouldn't be tough yeah i think we'd have to have a little maybe like a, a place in the mountains and then also a place uh near like a nice lake or something or like you're like not not in the mountains yeah <laughs> she's yeah, like yeah. definitely needs the bougie maybe the city side too Kelowna, yeah yeah Kelowna, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> Oh, that's good. Man, I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Dude, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Any uh, any parting words or uh, oh. tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, I guess next? a big, big thanks to Burn Snowboards Rockstar Energy for supporting me through my career and making it possible to do what I do and all the people that have been involved in my career. It's very grateful. And yeah, I'm on Instagram at Mikey Cicerelli as well as TikTok. Got the YouTube going. Good. Yeah. yeah, trying to do it all. So yeah, we'll you post f- this there if you want. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. I should yeah. do that. Um, and what's the next movie that people should watch for? So this year we're gonna have like a Burton short film coming out in okay. the fall. Kind of like uh, this will be a little different project where it's a montage. Everyone's footage just put together, oh, got it. Yeah, not yeah. part based, but just like snowboarding, just raw right. and like exciting to watch. Good so music. What, what are you wearing? So people can. Okay, yeah. So I'm wearing, yeah, uh, black snow pants, baby blue jacket. Okay. And you'll see I got my Rockstar helmet on as well. So yeah, we're trying to make it, I think it's good to do a bit of both and it'll be a fun, just like a really watchable snowboard project that people want to rewatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's important. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you, Gary. Yeah, Yeah, appreciate it. See you guys next week.